Thank you for joining us for the podcast of Conduit Church. We're a community of Christ followers committed to action. We meet in the Thompson Station area just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about what's going on with Conduit here in the Nashville area or around the world, please go to conduitmission.org. You cannot hide the You don't actually have to go to Haiti uh, today to meet one of my friends from there. I'd love to introduce to you Pastor Gerald Lafleur. Now, I want to be really honest with you guys and upfront with you guys right now. I want you to hear me say this. I've got a couple of things I want you to do today. I want you to listen with two ears. I want you to listen out of one ear to what Pastor Lafleur is telling us and the stories of what God is doing there. And in the other ear, what I want you to be listening for is the Holy Spirit. Because maybe the Spirit will tap on your shoulder today and say, hey, I want to go to Haiti in January with uh, Darren and watch him run a marathon. That's going to happen, a half marathon. Somehow. But I want you to, is God leading you to go there? Or maybe not Haiti, but God may be leading you to go into your own communities and your own neighbors. And your, what is it that you have in between you and what God has called you to do and be listening with that ear this morning, what the Holy Spirit might be tapping into you. So, Pastor Lafleur. Yes, sir. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Good morning to you, Pastor. This is normal. Uh, Pastor Lafleur normally would be translating for me. Um, so, uh, but he speaks English, so I don't have to translate. But I've, I've said that I preached the best sermons of my life in Haiti. Because <laughs> whatever I say, then he makes it way better. And they go crazy. I'm the so amplifier. Like... <laughs> Amplify everything. <laughs> Thank you for being with us um, today. Uh, so what we just saw there is what's happening today. Okay. Yes. But you, this, you're about to be 40, right? Yes, December 19th. I'll be 40 years old. Old. And so this didn't start at 40 years old. This started when you were, tell us what it was like growing up as a child in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Well, I was born and raised in Port-au-Prince, that's the capital of Haiti, um, where life was very difficult for me. Um, at one point, mommy, mommy sent me to Jackmel, that's where she was born and raised herself, um, so that I could, you know, maybe be helped in a little way because she was having it very hard in Port-au-Prince with me. Um, well, so being in Jackmel now, I had to walk miles to go to school. Um, you know, school used to be twice a day. So you go in the morning, you go home, then you come back in the afternoon. And that's how school was for me. So I used to go back and forth like four times in the day on that same road. And then um, mommy took us back to port prince took me back to port prince And as I was living with my aunt, she had a small room house um, in Haiti. A lot of people have a one-room house. It's not a big room. It's a small little thing, you know. And by um, house, let's be clear, it's like a shed. Shed, yeah. Um, in fact, now they, they tent cities. Some of the tents are bigger than what those people had as house, as a one room house. Um, so eleven of us used to live there. Eleven in one room shack. Yeah, one bed. My my aunt and her husband used to live on sleep on the bed, and we had all of us clustered there like sardines. On the floor. Like sardines. Um, but we survived that. Mommy never wanted me to know where she used to live. Because every time, Mommy, where are you going to sleep? She said, don't worry about that. Later when I get to find out, she used to sleep on, in some old cars by the roadside. But 
so she sent us to sleep with by, by our aunt. And we survived that and went to school. Because there were four things in life mommy could never do. She always said that. She said she could not read nor write. So, and she was a teenage mom. When she had me, she was 18 years of age. She got pregnant at the age of 17. She said she didn't go to school. She only went to school for one term. So then she had to abandon school and face life. So she told us she could not keep a roof over our head, feed us, send us to school, and clothe us. So, but she chose, even though we had no food to eat many times, I mean, I'm talking literally days without food, um, drink salt water. I remember one time something coming over my throat, and I said, Mommy, something's coming. Out. She said, Oh, okay, hold, drink this. When I took the cup and I drank it, it was salt water. She said, That was worms, because she said, Because you've been eating for three days. So I survived all that because she always said to me, Education is your way out. So you eat your books to eat better in life. So even though it was hard, but I used to come first, second, and third in the school most of the time. And she could only afford to pay the school. So therefore, no proper clothes on us. As I say, I was living with my, by my aunt and um, having hard time to eat. But we survived because the Lord was yeah. watching over me. I think what is sort of a foreign concept to us um, is the idea that when you have to choose, so there's food, clothing, shelter, and, and education. education. In America, education is available to any... In fact, it's legally required of us to go to a public school or to That's be educated. Good. But in, in Haiti, it actually costs money. to go, to, you know, And not that much money, but it's more than most people have. And so when you have to choose... I can't do food, I can't do clothing, shelter, and education, all four of those. I have to choose. And what is often the case is they're going to choose food. Completely understandable decision, right? To say, like, in fact, you have to be very forward-thinking to think, my child is not going to eat today, but at least he's got education. That, I mean, that must have been heartbreaking for your mom, right? It was very... I remember one time she, she said, um, that time I was in... I went to school... So um, she went by my aunt to get a little food for us. Um, she said she, she knocked her toe, so she, was, she fell. But she said, I held on to the food. Even though I, she bruised, I mean, all her knees were really badly bruised. But she said, I held on to the food. Because if I dropped it, there was nothing I was going to give you. Um, but the, the, it was that hard. But because of what she put in my head, she could not ignore right. He said, life was difficult for her because she could not read nor write. She said, if you can read, you can write, your life will be different. She didn't know God. She was not a believer of Christ. She, but she pushed for me to go to school at all times. Uh, my sisters and all of us so pretty much have what we call a basic level of education until we were able to help ourselves later on in life. But all because of what she put inside of us. And what's amazing to me is um, you went through basically 14, 14 years of that. Like you survived. In, in, uh, in Haitian education system, they don't go through 12th grade. They go through 14th grade. Yes. And so to survive for you know, literally imagine that like 14 years. You don't have to imagine it. You did it. But 14 years of over and over again making these decisions. Same and thing. Food versus. So to fast forward now, you make it through these 14 years. And you, you, we, had, uh, we had dinner. I've known him for years now. And, and a story yesterday that I actually don't remember ever hearing was that you're, now you're 21 years old. You can read and you can write and you're educated. And God tells you to do what? 
to go to Bible school. Now, Bible school, there were some Bible schools in Haiti, but I had it very clear in my spirit that I had to be going abroad to study. First thing I went, I learned English. I did, I learned English. I went to school, I learned English. Now, even that English was a whole experience on its own because I had to walk sometimes 14 miles, seven to go, seven to come back to get to class because I could not pay my way for a bus fees or taxi, whatever. And, That's um, like walking to Franklin. Put that in perspective. Yeah. So I had to do that. But there was something inside of me that said, you know, keep going because you really must learn English because English in Haiti is uh, a subject we do in school, but not much people can, many people can speak it. So we do French and Creole. That's what we speak. And I overcome that. So I finished. So I learned my English. Then now going to Jamaica, English country. And um, I had no money, but I knew I had a word clearly from the Lord that he will provide. So let that sink in a minute. He's going to get on a plane <laughs> and fly to Jamaica, Jamaica to go to school and, and no money. It'd be like showing up, moving to go into like uh, Lee University. And I'm first day of campus, I got no money, no plan other than I, God told me to go to school here. So you get on a plane. It's the very first time you've even been on a plane, right? Yeah. I, I, I had to cry it out. That was tears of joy. Um, the first thing, because uh, I used to see plane flying and I say, take me with you. And I, so now I'm seeing myself sitting in a plane first time ever at the age of 21, going to Bible school. But the craziest part of it, I'm still process, processing in my mind how I'm going to pay my way to school. So you have how much in your pocket at that point? That time I had about $70 in my pocket. Seven zero. And I was flying into Curaçao, not Jamaica yet, Curaçao, which is overnight. A, which is a Caribbean island that I didn't even know existed. Yes, by the it's, way. Another, it's a Dutch island. Yeah. So I was flying into Curaçao to overnight where I was going to pay $80, 70 to $80 for a hotel room. And how much I have in my pocket? 70 So and 70 I'm going to, to $80 Jamaica. for a hotel room. You've got to stay the night before you fly out the next day. And you walk into a hotel with $70 and that's all the money you got. Yes. But you know what? God is always good. Wherever he calls, he provides. And I went and I told the lady, how much for this? She said, well, you need to give me that amount for the hotel room. I said, mom, I don't have it. Mom. She said, um, you don't have money? But anyway, she said, hold on. There's a Jamaican guy who stay in a room with two beds. Maybe I'll ask him. Um, then we can let you just pay one part. And then you can share that room. So I'm at the Best Western. I don't have enough money. She says, hey, there's a dude from Kentucky with an extra bed. You want to split? I said, yes. <laughs> I just think it's God providing. <laughs> I just said, yes. Now, bear in Jamaica, they have a lot of negative things about some Rastas. When I saw the guy showing, he's a Rasta. And I'm like, okay, but um, I, sh- I told him I'm going to, to Jamaica to study. I don't have much money. And he said, he said, me, said to me, you have a room there, you whatever. So if I can give you a little bit of money, then she can really, she said... He said, well, if you don't mind, I don't mind. I said, I don't mind. So I'm in. So, <laughs> so he got me there. I paid about $40 in, my, in, in the money that I had. Then now the next day, show up at the airport. So I have now $30 in my pocket. Show up at the airport. They told me I need to pay $12.50 for departure tax. Just to leave the country. Just to leave the country. I said, but I only have 30 So while I, while you see me there trying to figure myself out, he said, okay, um, Give me your 10 and I'll put 250 for you so you can still have 20. 
So he paid 250 for me. So I gave my tax departure tax. I went on into Jamaica. Landed there. Two and a half hours of pressure at immigration because I came with no money. So immigration is basically looking at you saying, you got no money. And I went to school. No plan. They're afraid you're going to basically crash the system. So you're two and a half hours. So they told me, I cannot work. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. So I must have money. I said, but I'm not a tourist. They said, that's why we're asking you, where's your school fees? So I had my acceptance letter, everything. So anyway, long story short, she called the school. The school said, well, I expected him to come, but um, we don't know that he had no money. (laughs) (laughs) So she told them, well, he had no money. He has no money. And she get mad, you know. In the midst of her madness, she stopped my passport. She said, okay, let the school fight to get the money out of you. I said, mom, I told you God will provide because I don't have the money. (laughs) And the guy that I met in Curaçao, Strange thing enough, he was still outside waiting for me. So when I came out, he said, well, where are you going? I said, I'm really going to Montego Bay. This is the, when I show him the address, he said, oh, that's in Montego Bay. He said, guess what? I'm also going to Montego Bay. I said, but I thought you're gone. He said, well, I just, something just kept pumping me to wait for you. He said, I don't know why, but I mean, pastor, he called me pastor. I said, no, I'm not a pastor. He said, last time you prayed a storm in the room. So I just think you were pastor and I wanted to see how I can help. Pray to storm. <laughs> and the Lord did it. He took, he said, well, how much money you have? Because in my mind, I was dreaming. I'm going to take a plane for my $20 because, you know, first time I'm traveling. So I don't understand the whole, the hooks and whatever. And I said, well, I'm going to take a plane with, with my $20 to get into Montego Bay. He said, no, no, no. You are four hours away. You in <laughs> Kingston. <laughs> He like said, Atlanta from here. He said, your money cannot take you anywhere. Not even taxi. Your money is not even enough to pay taxi to get you from here to where you're going. I'm like, what? So, but you know what? <laughs> he said, okay, guess what? I can help. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take different buses and put you different place and whatever. He said, that way it's going to be cheaper. And then I'll pay. He said, then when we get the last leg, I'll get a taxi. I will put you into the school where you're going, into school, the, the school ground. And he did all that. We took about three different transportations until we get to the last one. We take a taxi, then took me there. And he, I, go, I gave him my $20. He said, no, 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 give me 10 I'll take care of the rest. You don't worry. So if you have to make a phone call and buy bread, it's okay. So you just go with $10. Hence, I show up at school at 1 o'clock in the morning. Now, how long had it been since you had eaten? And that time I was eating since the day before. And what was the, what was the next day at school? We landed at school. I got on the compound at 1, one o'clock in the morning. And the, 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 the sad and the good part. The, this is my favorite the, part. They, they had um, a prayer and fasting day. So I, landed, <laughs> <laughs> I got there at, at, at 1 and 8 o'clock. They, they, they say, well, chapel time. And then the students, my roommates say, well, you have to get up. Um, it, it's, it's, you have to go to the chapel and today is praying fasting day and I'm like oh no <laughs> but I said okay because of what I was taught I said now Lord you're going to have to make a way so now I'm in school praying fasting I'm going to pray that you make a way for me to go to school because now and then my roommate another roommate say you know what you must go to this office that admin office that registrar office that office 
and all of these places you have to pay money and the last office is the financial um, department so where you're gonna have to pay your school fees and i looked at him i said but i don't have it he said and you're here i said well i'm here because god says so but i don't have the money so anyway long story short he said well i don't know how they're gonna do that but <clears throat> you needed how much money 800 for the term and you have plus money. electives about right. 900 at 900 dollars and you have none hundred dollars I had none. How did that conversation go? Well, it, it, it went crazy for the first week. <laughs> for the first week, and they keep telling me, you cannot go to class because I'm avoiding all these places. I cannot go to, to the different offices. So eventually, my friends keep pushing, you have to go. So I went, and I signed up, and every one of them required that amount of money for this, that amount of money for that, that amount of money for that. And then the last one was the financial um, department, what they call it, the big money was going to be there. And I'm like, I don't really have any money. They say, but who's going to pay for you? I say, I don't know. Um, but why are you here? I say, well, God sent me and I know he will provide. They say, you have any sponsors who promise to support? I say, nobody but the Lord. I keep saying, nobody but the Lord. <laughs> Very nicely. And they, they, they looked at me and I could feel something, you know, but they, so they, they will not tell me you are the wrong place because I knew God sent me. So eventually they, um, I, I was sent to clean the principal's office every day because as an international student, I cannot work, I cannot do anything, but I must work on the compound so that I can eat because they have to provide food. They give me um, two meals a day. And then they say, I have to forget my th- the third one, which is they give me breakfast and dinner. So lunch is on my care, which I never had. So anyway, we there, we there for the first week. So then I get a message. I watch a video of, of this preacher named Miles Monroe. He's from the Bahamas. And I see Miles Monroe said, you know, sometimes you can be the answer to somebody's prayer. And he explained, he said, well, if I have $1,000 and then somebody come and say, can you pray for me? Um, I need $200 from the Lord that God provide 200 for me. He said, maybe you can be the answer to that prayer. Give from the 1,200, the prayer solved. He said, you don't have to go and lay hands on the brother and knock him down and pray, 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 pray. So, so he's anyway. He's the answer to your prayer. That's right. And he's praying for someone else to be the answer. To, to be the answer. Yeah. So I began to say, okay, Lord, that, that's a good thing. So while I'm cleaning the principal office every day, I said, Lord, why don't he answer my prayer? Why don't he be the answer to my prayer? Because he's the principal. He can help me. Anyway, um, one day he stopped me. He said, I want to pray for you. He said, any money coming for you? I said, no, sir. He said, any hope, any person promise? I said, nobody but the Lord. He said, wow. He said, but anyway, let me pray for you. So he prayed. And in my heart, I said, let him answer my prayer. Let him answer my prayer. So then after the prayer, he said to me, I got a word for you. The word is you will not leave this place until the purpose for you being here is fulfilled in your life. And I say, great, Lord. That's a prophetic word. So therefore, they can't kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> so I believed it. Then we spent a week that way. The following week, he stopped me again. And nothing is happening. Then he said to me, um, you have any money? I said, now I have 100. He said, what? You have 100? I said, yes. Because his secretary was a lady from, from Dallas, Texas. And she said, um, she, I was always cleaning the, the, the place every day. She said to me, there's something they call bless one another day. 
So she said, I choose to bless you because that was the day that I was going to bless somebody. So I choose to bless you. She gave me $100. So I told him I have $100. You're getting closer. He said, you still need a lot more money. So nobody give you, nobody make a promise. I said, sir, the same way, nobody but the Lord. Nobody but the Lord. And he said, all right. And then I keep saying in my heart, let him answer my prayer. The, the, the third day in my third week now, all this, I can't go to school, by the way. All that, I'm just in the school compound, working here and there where they have me. Then he said to me, okay, you know what? Um, I can do something. You cannot work outside of the school. But I can create some little work for you here on the compound. And I will help with your school fees for the first term. And I said, great, sir. Thank you. And he did all that. By the time I finished my first year, I checked all the departments. I owe 285 US dollars. And as I'm talking to here, up to today, I don't know who paid that amount of money. All I know, I was going to Haiti after the year. I went home, get my ticket, came back on a one-way ticket. Jamaican immigration almost kicked me out again. And then um, she said, how much money you have? That time I had one dollar. That part I never you didn't. So I came that time with it's one dollar. not better. So she said, well, if you had jumped all these hurdles, you go to Miami without a visa, you in the immigration, uh, I'm in Haiti, they sent you a, sold you a ticket, half ticket. You should not have a halfway ticket. You're not Jamaican. All these things she said, I'm going to learn you. She stumped my passport. She get me in. And I could not even have the $3 to go to the first office to register my name down. But the Lord did it. That 285 I don't know who paid it. And the rest is history. By the time I graduated Bible school, class of the nations, Jamaica, I owed $0. Every department give me clear, 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 clear ones, clear ones, clear ones. Keep going. Until I went to the last office. That way, the, the bulk of the money usually go there. And they give me the paper. I submit to them. And they check it, bam, bam, everything. They say, taken care of. Who paid most of them? I don't know. But as he said, as I told them, he will provide. And he did it. So I finished school in Jamaica. And before I give you, Pastor, it's while there too. I got a prophetic word from a lady that came from Jacksonville, Florida. Never met me. First time seeing her, I was not even in the services. Like I just showed up at the back, like this boy just stepped in, and she called me. And she said, I saw you leading an army of young people. She said, I saw you with a sword caught in voodoo's flag. She said, I saw in the other hand you planting Christian flag, and there were young people, people all over the place following you. And I and I put the pieces together. I said, that was Haiti. She never knew where I was from. And she said, I saw voodoo places, you know, um, tearing down. And I see you planting flag of Christ, Christian flags, different places. And I, I said to myself, that was the place where my mom came from. So I said, that's the place I know had a lot of voodoo temples, a lot of this, a lot of that. So from that time, I knew that as she said in the word, you wait on, on, on the Lord for the right timing when you go in to that place to do your work for the Lord. So seven years I waited. Then we went to right. Jack Mel. So he, um, it's wild because in the middle of all that, God told him, go to school. Go, to, you have no money, no. Sometimes I think we're too smart for God, right? We'll talk ourselves out of what God wants us to do. 
But what I, what I love about the fact that it was Jamaica, okay, not any place else, not even in Haiti, even, even if this was the only reason to go to Jamaica, was you met a young man, so he's working night security uh, at the school, uh, and a mission trip came in one of those summers with a guy named Ron Luce, Teen Mania Ministries. There were 300 kids. And you meet a guy named Philip Peters. Yes. Philip is 16. He was 17. 17. And Philip promised that he would do what every you know, American missionary promises, I'm going to stay in touch. Hmm. But one difference, Philip actually did it. He did it. And to fast forward, because I want to get to the part of what God's doing right now, Philip would be, get a job after going to college. He stayed in touch. You guys are writing letters. Philip ends up in Nashville as an intern for uh, Toby oh, Mac. Okay? And at that time, I'm managing uh, some artists in the community. And uh, my wife and I are leading a Bible study, which is where we met many of you guys, like Bucky and Kimmy and Jeremy and Amber. We meet Philip Peters there, this yeah. you know, guy just fresh off the apple cart to be you know, Toby Mac's coffee guy. And, and he's telling me about you. And I remember, I mean, Craig and Bethany were there, and we were, they want to go on a mission trip. They want to go to Haiti. And I'm like, yeah. that's good. Good luck with that. We'll pray for you guys. <laughs> Have fun. Give me a bucket. <laughs> yeah, right? They were there. And so, but that's five years after you've landed in Haiti on your own. Yes. Okay, so the same plan for Jamaica, which is you hope something neat happens, is your plan for Haiti. You have no money, no contacts, no power. There's no army at that point. It's just you. Tell me about those early days when you land in uh, Monoje, Jacmel, Haiti. It's you and a vision and a word from God. Well, um, just to add one little piece quickly, I moved from Jamaica to Antigua. That's a different island of the Caribbean. Um, miraculously, again, because I had no visa, I went there twice. The immigration investigated me for like three months. They said, how can you get into this country without a visa twice? I said, the Lord sent me. So I always say, the angel. <laughs> and after three months of investigation, he called me into his office. as was the chief immigration officer of the island. He called me into his office and, and he talked to me. He said, these stumps are genuine stumps of our office. The signatures, we don't understand. The badge numbers, we do not understand. I said, well, the angels of God stumped in my passport, sign, I don't know, get me into your country. So he laughed and he said, okay, well, the favor, you get favor in our land. So from Antigua now, I flew back to Haiti. That's when I began to work that place with just a vision and a word. No money, not much. I met a guy um, at a hotel I used to work in Antigua. He was a guy who worked for CIA. Sent, yeah, strange. And he's a Christian. So I shared my heart with him. I said, I'm going to go back to Haiti. I'm going to do a crusade in this community and raise support for me to do all that to go down there. He signed a check for me. He gave me a post-dated check. He said, I'm putting a few months so you don't go and spend the money. So you can, when you see the crusade, I give him the time of the crusade. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you that check for that crusade. Well, we went to Haiti the first time. And um, my wife and I, for six weeks, we knock on people. Those whatever little shacks. Yeah, there's no doors. Keeping in mind, that's a little shack. So we go in the yard and say, "Well, we coming in to have a big ministry in this community." It was like like crazy because we don't have money, we don't have anything, and church never survived in that community. Church always died whenever they started. So when I have that big dream, our ministry going to grow. So I shared all my heart with them. Now they look at me. Maybe this young man. That time I'm twenty something. 
I was like maybe about 20, 24, um, they about. And they all like, well, this man doesn't know what he's saying, you know, even younger than that. So they're like, okay, but we listen. So I left. While in Haiti, my wife got pregnant. So I usually give the joke. I said, that's a good place to sow. To sow seed. To sow a seed. Yeah. So um, my wife got pregnant there, planted a seed. So I have my big son who's going to be 12 on Wednesday. So we couldn't go back to Haiti. So the, the following year, 202, because my son was being born in New York. So 203, I went back with um, my wife and some other friends. We spent six weeks on the ground. So my wife left in between there, but I stayed on the ground myself and working hard to pioneer restoration ministries on the ground. Now, as I said, you know, we had nothing but a word from the Lord. I cried a lot when I knew the time was coming to step out there because I knew it was difficult in our area. Voodoo temples everywhere. People poor. So you have church. How are you going to support it? But I held on to the word. I went. And um, we stayed there and we pioneered and we promote God. Within a week, 200 souls for the Lord. We had our very first service on October 12, 2003. We had 148 people in that service. And the rest is history. Well, it is because like, so that first five years, so it's five years. It's funny to say five years in retrospect. Five years is longer than Conduit has been actually a church church. Actually, we technically were before. We just didn't know it. And that's been a long time. Yes. But you, in a sentence, oh, that was just five years. Because it was five years later that Philip Peters pops up on your radar screen. We want to do a trip and a mission thing. Conduit is kind of an idea at this point. But you plowed that ground for, you know, this whole, we got an army of youth following you. We're going to put burn down booty. For five years of what most people, myself included, probably would have quit. And you plowed through to the point where... Well, tell them about so that there. Are, how many voodoo temples would you guess are, are gone now? Um, right now, um, I can say ninety-nine percent, ninety-five percent, or ninety-nine of the voodoo temples already out of business in our community. Yeah, you can praise the Lord for that. Now, one by one by one, yeah. and they're going out. Of, some of these guys are going out of business because they're giving their hearts to Christ. To Christ, yeah, they are out of business because God is taking over. And now, those that are still standing, they have no business. They, they might have the temple. One of them is a huge building. I call it the, the, the fortress. It's like a big one. It's in wall. And um, we challenged everything there. So that closed down. In fact, two years ago, they even offered me to buy to sell me the building and the land. <laughs> there's no because business there's there no anymore. business there. Because they used to think it's, it's a business for them. And so... It was very hard for the first, first five years. So hard. Our pastor we had then, we could only afford to give him $15 a month. 15 And that was coming from my salary out of Antigua. The church in Antigua gave me a little salary back then of like $700. In that, I was paying the pastor's rent, house rent in, in Jackmel, plus sending him a little bit of money for food and everything, and give him $15 as salary. Then we moved to $30. And um, then it was just that hard. But we labored it. We keep on believing that God is going to connect us with people. I call what I call divine connections. Connect us with people who can support the vision. Hence now, Philip Peters came to 05. That was his first trip. I call, we call, he called down and I call him Bishop back then. Yeah. 
He called the bishop. the bishop. He called Bishop for me. So I spoke to Diane while, while we were in Haiti. And then I came 206 there about to Tennessee. And um, I mean, even before that, I came to get to meet him. Then teams started coming. We had, I spoke to Holy. Holy came, one of the first team that came down. And so with Brett Connelly, Brett and Kathleen Connelly, all these people. So they came down. Then when I get to meet Diane now, Mitch will begin to send a few dollars. You know, it wasn't much. Then 2007, we begin um, a house project for that become what we call a restoration house. Now, all kind of things begin to happen. More help coming in. Then now, in fact, the new pastor we have now, we are hoping to give him like a salary of like 400 US a month. Which is good. It's a good Which salary. is great. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, that's huge for us. But notice from $15, the <laughs> journey, we're willing to plow and plow the land until we could afford to get more support coming in to support the work of God. Now we have a lot of things going on for the Lord in this community, transforming that community. And that's what I want to do. Like we're circling the airport. We're getting ready to land. And to say that what God has done, it's so easy to look at now what everything God is doing. The 600 kids that are in the feeding program, the hundreds of people in the church, the voodoo temples. But it didn't start there, right? It was this story of God weaving together and, and, and you know, bringing us to where we are today. And part of that, and it's important, to, I guess, to say that because as a church, we've had to sacrifice. Let me rephrase that. We get to sacrifice so that this can happen. So they're sacrificing with little salaries. You're sacrificing with a $10 folding chair. And I know that they're not comfortable. I get it. Incidentally, if you want the comfortable ones, they're up front. We have three <laughs> rows of cush right up here. But, but for $10 for those little folding chairs meant that we didn't have to spend thousands. That We could spend it other places. And part of what it was for us as a church in those early days of realizing that maybe God was making conduit a church was... Like, we had some kids in Haiti that needed us to not do something stupid, get a bunch of overhead, and you know, I was afraid of what that could mean for us. And so we've, we've guarded it, and I, and I got good news for you, by the way. As we did that, the Lord has provided for us as well. You're sitting in a building that is completely debt-free on 11 acres in Williamson County, for crying out loud. Praise the Lord. Amen. As, yes. And, we just, and what we did is we took steps of faith. Because we've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars taking back land in Haiti that voodoo wanted, that the enemy wanted. And on one of those, we have $50,000 with a wall around it where there's a new school that's going to be built as the Lord provides that money. We're doing it Amen. all debt-free. But across the street is where the school has already started, in Restoration Academy. And we've got little uh, kids. They start kids young there, and it's important to start them young. Like peanut age, like three years old, four years old. They get their little matching uniforms and they're going to school. Because if we can begin to put Christ in them at that age, by the time they're five or six, if they're not in that, in that school with being Christ being put in them, well, they're learning to hustle. They're learning the, the ways of their culture. So we're, you know, we're skating to the puck. We're getting ahead yes. of it. So tell us right now what's happening with Restoration Academy. How many grades? How many kids? What's God doing Well, there? when we began... Um the reason uh, the, we had to think it through, the reason why we target little people, uh, first thing is to really dismantle the voodoo culture totally in that community. Because the voodoo is a passing on the baton. When you're about to die, pass on you, the baton. you pass on the baton to your son, to your daughters. So we are saying no to that. Well, let us embrace the kids early with the Lord. Once they understand the culture of God very early, when they get older, they will not be next in line. 
So if mommy doesn't want to believe, mommy gonna have to die with her spirits and never pass it on to nobody. So secondly, we also had children who would, were going to school. 10 year old, 12, 11, first time ever going to school. Just imagine you have a seven year old child who's in grade one or two to have now a 12, 13 years old boy or girl in the same class too. Like Will Ferrell going to school. Like yes. Elf. You know. So we wanted to, to, to kind of stop that. So, because our program began, our sponsorship program started with these big kids, started them going to school. So now the little ones are coming in. They, this year, we had grade two. So we begin, those in two, three, four, five, they graduated, they moved to grade one. So now we have grade two. We have about 200 children now at the Association Academy going to school. The good thing, all of them, if you stop them, they can quote the scripture verses for you. With every Friday is church for them, the school. But every Friday we have a, a good time, we stop activities, but it's church time now. When they go there, they teach, they, they are taught the principles of God, they understand that God must be praised and stuff like that. So what we are saying, when they get bigger, older, the culture already is damaged in terms of voodoo culture, totally. So the little kids now are singing God's song. They are quoting scriptures and values of God. And teenage pregnancy used to be very high in this community. But God help us through transformation, what we are doing there, that is in the low. Teenage pregnancy. Teenage pregnancy down. Now, you, and with all that goes with it, so most of these young girls and young men are thinking they are dreaming big. I want to be somebody. And that's what we are saying. Also, there's the school. We are doing something different. All school in Haiti, particularly in Jackmel, we have like 70 kids, 50 kids in a little classroom, very clustered. Even bags, they keep their bags on their shoulder because the space is so small. Yeah. So what we are saying no to that, in our school, we have 20, 25, 30 kids to the max, but with two teachers. So we are raising the bar. They don't have playground because these schools are just straight from the school door to the yard. It's just like that. It's very tight if all the kids are outside together. But we are saying no. We are raising the, the, the bar of education by saying to these kids, you can have a better environment to produce more even in life for God. Because I keep dreaming one of these days the prison of Haiti would have be coming from our community. I'm raising one of them to be our president. I don't know who yet, but one of them will be in the Senate, will climb the ladder, even be in the presidential palace. That's what I'm trusting that's going to happen. As we're raising these kids with different mindset, because Haiti is lacking of leaders of integrity. And that's the very Sorry. big thing for our school, is raising kids with integrity. And that's a big deal. For anybody that's even gone in there, you get shaken down at the airport, you get shaken down by the tra- taxi, everybody's, everybody's on the take. But when they're raised in the readiness of mind and transformation, I would love for you to think about this morning what God is tapping you on the shoulder. And again, it may not be Haiti. I don't want you to do anything that the Lord doesn't want you to do. A disciple, Jesus said in, in Luke, was that when a disciple is fully formed, will be... No greater than his master, but we'll be like his master. We just want you to be like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus did whatever the Father said to do and said whatever the Father said to say. That's all I'm asking of you. 
And I'm asking this morning, is God saying something to you about, is it time to go, to step into your uncomfort zone? I want, you know, I've been, I don't know how many times, every time I came back alive. We survive it. Is it safe? There's no safer place to be than in the hands of the Lord where he wants you to be. And the good news is, is if you step into eternity with me, we'll get to go together. So how about that? Uh, yeah, I'm just man. kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you will come back. <laughs> uh, you will. That's true. Every time I come back, you eat good. It's good. Anyway, but, so pray about that, but also pray about this. We've got teachers down there right now that we are investing in. Amazing teachers that are, you know, actually Montrose Natalie, which is actually the mother of the children that we sponsor. Christopher, uh, isn't that her? Wait, no, that's no, not her. the wrong one. I got the wrong mama. Anyway, she's down there. Um, she's one of our staff. Sorry, one of the staff at the school. I'm praying for you and for I to say, is that what God wants you to do this morning? For $120 a month U.S. is, what we're, is how much a teacher gets paid there. Like, it's not very much, but it's, it's pretty much in line with what everybody else is. Uh, this morning, a donor has said, hey, I'll match uh, whatever. So if you want to sponsor a whole teacher for 120 a month, we'll actually get an extra one that that donor will, will sponsor. If you say, I can sponsor $60 a month for a teacher, then, then they'll, they'll actually get uh, one teacher sponsored with that donor. So that's an offer that one of our generous conduits has already made. And I'm asking you to just pray about, is that what God wants you to do? And if so, immediately following this service, um, we're going to meet in the mission office, right under the exit door. And to the right is our mission office. David Christopher will be there with Jaina. If you want to go on a trip this year, that's a, we're going to talk about that right after the service. I want you to pray about that. And I also want us to celebrate what God has already done. Because at that little Restoration Academy, there's 200 kids. But 144 of them, as of last year, right, were not eating. Because yeah. they weren't part of the sponsorship program. And what that means is their parents were sending them to school, but no food. And we went in there to do some video stuff last January, and I'm looking in and going, gosh, where's all the food? And what I was realizing was about 50 of these kids were walking out to go next door to the feeding program because they, they were sponsored, and the other 144 were watching them leave and going to eat, and they had to stay behind because we couldn't, and it was heartbreaking. But I'm happy to tell you that Conduit, our partners have gotten together. We're paying for an entire hot lunch program that every day when those kids are in school, everybody is eating because of... You guys, because of conduit, somebody being obedient to it. We're paying for a Bible institute. There's literally hundreds of thousands of dollars continuing to go through our trips and through this. Not as a brag, because it's really not. It's you guys. It's not me. I'm just bragging on you. But I'm inviting those of you this morning that haven't been a part of it to pray about it. Is that what God's whispering in your ear? Today, to go this year in 2015. If you go in January, you'll get to see me run a half marathon in Haiti. Yes, yes. Let that sink in. If you see the great white ghost running around College Grove in these next... That will be me. As our musicians are coming back, Pastor, I would ask you to give us some advice this morning. I've been... In my life, I've been too smart to follow God. He's told me to do stuff, and I've talked myself out of it. And I believe that there are those in here this morning that God has put something on your heart to do. And again, it may not be Haiti. It may just be start a Bible study. It might be to just, in your school, teenagers, to, to launch a first priority or to, to go be a part of a, a Christian discipleship thing already going on at your school. Whatever it is that God is doing but you haven't done. And maybe there's obstacles. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's money. Pastor, what would you tell us this morning 
well, if God is whispering in our ear and we haven't done what he's told us to do yet. Just before I answer that, um, maybe some of you want to sponsor a child. Mm. Well, if, if it's Haiti, you can go on our website, restorehaiti.com. You can get all the information how you can sponsor a child. We, we have a lot of them right now still in need, what we call urgent need under their name. So check our website, restorehaiti.com. And that's another partner that we have. You can join us in that. But also, if God is talking to your heart, but you have some barriers, you know, you have some gates standing before you. All I'm saying on to do, on, for you to do, the first step of obedience is to step out. As you make the first step, God going to make it clear to you of what you need to do, where you need to be. And so, uh, Peter walked on the water. But when he looked at the water, it was water. He could never walk on it. When he put the first foot, he realized that it became like a rock under his feet. Then he could afford to walk because now he had put the first foot forward. So do not look at it and say, I cannot step out because it looks so hard and difficult. We want to make the first step in faith, in obedience to what God is saying unto you, and he will do the rest. I believe he's faithful to do that. So again, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, with you, my brothers and sisters from another mother. Be blessed. <laughs> See you. <That's... laughs> As we uh, worship a little while longer, do business with God. Let God do business with you this morning. What's He calling you to do? Sometimes you think, oh, it's got to, because it's a huge feeding program, I need to do that. But just what's the next step, you know? What's the next step that God has for you this morning? And I pray that you'll, you'll hear clearly his voice. Communion is available um, on either side. What a great place to do business with the Lord than remembering what he did for you already. There's going to be an offering bucket go by you in a moment. That's a great opportunity to do business with the Lord conduit as their tithes and offerings and if he's tapping you on the shoulder and saying yeah maybe this is year to go on a mission trip come meet us in the back you, I don't have any money seriously I don't have any money will never be an excuse again it can't be it just can't father would you give us wisdom and direction this morning thank you for the parable that you've told us this morning through pastor Lafleur in the ministry there let us guard and protect what you've done here at Conduit as we move forward. And for each of us individually, Lord, is it somebody that I'm supposed to speak to today that I've been too afraid? Give us the courage, me the courage to step through that. Is it to go to Bible school? Is it to join the, 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 the Christian Discipleship Club at school? What is it, Lord, speak clearly to us this morning as we, as we listen for your voice? Jesus' name.